Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. from Luke chapter 3 verse 15 Luke chapter 3 and verse 15 Amen and I I believe I'd also like to read here this evening from Psalm 62 as well Old Testament and New Testament scriptures Psalm 62, I'd like to read verses 2 and 6, and then Luke chapter number 3, I'd like to read verse number 15 this evening. I'll read from the Old Testament first. Psalm 62 and verse 2, the Bible says, David speaking, he only is my rock. My salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Luke 3, verse number 15. The Bible states these words. And as the people were in expectation... And all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. As the people were in expectation. Tonight I'd like to minister this. Don't move from your expectation. Don't move from your expectation. Let's pray this evening. Father, I come to you tonight. Lord, I'm grateful, God, for what you have done today. But we're in need of a fresh touch of heaven. We're in need, Lord, of some fresh oil, Lord God, to flow down our hearts and our minds. I pray, oh God, that we need, Lord Jesus, your voice to sound clearly, Lord, in this place. And we will, Lord, be attentive and give of ourselves, Lord, unto you, Lord, for the next little while. I pray, oh God, today that you could help us, Lord, in our lives. Help us, Lord Jesus, to embrace, Lord, the will and the purpose of the Lord, God, for this service in this hour. God, I pray, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ the Lord. God, so that we can hear what the Spirit would say in this hour. In the lovely name, the lovely name, the lovely name of Jesus. Hallelujah that I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Amen. Don't be moved from your expectation. Psalmist David in Psalm 62, he picks up the pen and he is writing uh, during or just shortly after a very horrific time in his life, not just the life of him being king, but the life of him being a father. He's just writing and pinning some words after some very horrible things 
had taken place in life of king and fatherhood. What was going on during this time is his son by the name of Absalom had returned back to the city and uh, he was sitting at the gate of the city and as people would come to uh, get some counsel from King David, Absalom was there at the gate and they were coming to get some counsel and some direction and Absalom would intercept them and speak to them about what their problem or what their condition may be in so many words telling them that if he were made the judge of the land that whatever suit or cause or problem that they might have they would be able to bring unto him and uh, he would be able to handle the manner in a very timely fashion and as a result of Absalom doing this intercepting each individual that were uh, coming to the king he won the Bible says the hearts of the nation of Israel and Absalom even goes to a certain extent that he deceives his own father and he is on his way to Hebron under the guise that he's going to offer some sacrifice unto the Lord but in reality he was going to make a declaration of his kingship among the people of Hebron Whenever he gets to that place and David begins to learn of all of this that's going to unfold, the Bible speaks that David gets together his household and he himself and they flee from Jerusalem because uh, he's really trying to avoid a war that would break out that could somehow claim the lives of several civilians of the city of Jerusalem and so he and a few of his household leave Jerusalem and they escape and go on their way basically he thought it's just not worth fighting uh, over and losing the lives of civilians over to stand up against uh, my own son in this matter and as the story would go uh, David is off on his way from Jerusalem and there comes a time then though that Absalom and some of the men finally enter into a battlefield in pursuit of David his father he has got a couple different counsels yet they harmonize in one thing and that is uh, whenever it's all said and done we're going to have to take out uh, what's standing in the way David's going to have to die he and those those that are true in their allegiance to him. And so as they head out into the wood of Ephraim, the Bible speaks that uh, David, whenever he told his men they were going to war, he said, deal gently with my son Absalom. I, I know what he's doing is wrong. I know he's conspired against me. I know he wants to usurp my authority and even my throne, but it doesn't subtract the idea that he's still my son. So just deal gently with the boy. And they go into battle and the Bible says, uh, at a certain juncture that uh, Absalom's riding along and that his hair is caught by a big oak tree. He, uh, the, the Bible portrays him of having flowing hair and his hair uh, was caught by an oak tree there and the beast that he was riding on went out beneath uh, his, his legs and he's just hanging there and so he's very vulnerable to whoever's around. And there were some of the men then that said, uh, uh, you know what, I'm not gonna touch his light because we're supposed to deal gently with him but the captain of the host of David said I'm going to go forward and I'm going to take care of business and the Bible plainly tells us that Joab killed Absalom and when word returned back to David 
at the end of the day that the son that had done him wrong was wishing to conspire and usurp his authority, that that son was dead, that David lamented very much. His heart was very grieved. He cried out, Absalom, my Absalom. Uh, would God I would die for thee, Absalom, my son, my son. And the scripture states very confidently there that the king, King David, was much moved. Everybody say much moved. Much moved because of the events that took place on that day. And it's in this setting that David picks up his pen and he begins to write Psalms 62. A man that had been just much moved by some horrific things that had been taking place in his life, by the loss of his son, by the betrayal of his son toward his kingdom and toward his authority. A man that has been moved greatly by all of this picks up his pen and he begins to realign his life with the purpose and the will of God. He begins to realign his life in understanding who truly is in control of all things and all measures. If I could say this tonight, uh, that I believe that we have touched on perhaps somewhere in our life, that when certain things arise in our life, and I want to state this well, that may be a surprise to us, it was never a surprise to God. When certain things creep into our life and certain things unfold in our life that we scratch our head and we really don't know or are trying to figure out, God's not scratching his head. He, he's not bewildered by what comes or what goes in our life. David, a king, a man of renown though, is greatly moved by the happenings in his own life. But as he picks up the pen, and the inspiration of the Spirit begins to fall upon him. He begins to use some words and begins to recall the goodness and the greatness and the majesty of his God. And he can't but say, he only, speaking of God, is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Here's a father that still has some tears that are stained on his face that's still maybe a little bit bewildered by what just has happened. But he says, I gotta get back to the sanctuary. I gotta get back to that place in God. This greatly affected me, but I gotta get my focus right and understand only God is my rock and only God is my defense. And only God is my salvation. Here's a man that's been shook a little bit in his convictions shook a little bit in his stance. This is a man that oftentimes when he went out to war, amen, he came back victorious, but he didn't know the victory of this battle was gonna be so bitter for his personal life. And it shook him, it moved him, the Bible says, much. And here he is trying to get refocused and recalibrated, and he begins to talk about God. Perhaps he begins to think where the Lord 
had come through for him before. Perhaps he remembers the Goliath in the battle of Elah. Perhaps he begins to remember the lion and the bear in the pasture of his father. Perhaps he begins to remember some of the great exploits of war that God had seen him through. And the Bible says in verse number two, David proclaims, I shall not be greatly moved. He's been much moved by the present calamity. But while he is refocusing, while he is realigning his perspective, he says, God, only God is my rock. He's my defense. He's my salvation. And he states a little bit, if you will, of doubt concerning his circumstances of life and what may come and says, I shall not be greatly moved because in the words of saying you shall not be greatly moved tells me that you may be moved somewhat you may be moved a little bit you might be swayed just a little and David's saying, I've just came through a very great woe, but I'm realigning, I'm repurposing, and I'm determined now. You know, I won't be as moved as much as I was then, but I might be a little moved. The honesty of a king, the honesty of a man that was after God's own heart, said there may still yet be something in my future that will shift me a little to the left, shift me a little bit to the right, You know how it is whenever those storms brew into our life and they show up and they blow out. We tell ourselves, we'll handle that better next time. I'll I'll be more prepared. I'll be more more prayed up. I'll I'll be more steadfast. I'll have more faith next time. I'll I'll have more trust next time. And I I won't be moved by that as much as I was the first time. I'm going to be a little bit more solid, a a little bit more concrete. I'm not going to be greatly moved. Someone say amen. Amen. But as David continues in this vein of thought and he continues the consideration of his God and he speaks in all of these terms about only and truly and surely throughout Psalm 62 and he begins to consider those that are still out there for his life those enemies that he still has adversaries he still has as a result of Absalom rising amen and wanting to usurp his authority I don't know if he was trying to convince himself amen or somebody else but I believe he was trying to convince himself as he talked to himself one more time and he reiterated to God my soul amen in verse 6 he only is my rock there he goes again Revisiting that again, he only, God, God only is my rock, exactly, verbatim words, and my salvation. He is my defense. But something happened to David between verse two and verse six because now he says, and I shall not be moved. From verse 2 down to verse 6, David has changed his posture in saying, I shall not be greatly moved to I shall not be moved. As a matter of fact, he's changed his posture from being much moved to not being greatly moved to not being moved altogether. David! 
What's happened in just a few short verses for you to alter your perspective? Alter your mindset concerning this thing. I believe the secret is in verse number five of Psalm 62. And David in his speech unto the Lord, his cry unto the Lord, he says, my soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation. My expectation is from him. In other words, I got high expectation whenever it comes to my God. Amen, I'm not expecting anything from anyone or something, but I have a high expectation that's coming from my God. So based upon that idea, based upon that theory, I can go a step further and say not only shall I not be greatly moved, but I'm not gonna be moved altogether because my expectation is from the Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. What our adversary, what the enemy of our soul desires to do in this hour, he wants to dumb down your expectation in God. He wants to dumb down your expectation in God. Yes, he does. He wants you to think, amen, even just for church sometimes, he wants to dumb down your expectation from God. He doesn't want you to think, amen, that whenever you go to the house of the Lord, he doesn't want you to expect anybody getting healed. He doesn't want you to expect anybody's gonna be filled with the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want you to expect anybody's going to repent or anybody's going to be baptized. He doesn't want you to expect that someone just might run around the church. He doesn't want he's trying to dumb down your expectation. Yes, he is. I know how it is. But there's a tragedy and a travesty if you will whenever you accept that idea of a dumbed down expectation. I remember Brother Mason, the six years on the road, there were some times I would embrace that pulpit. And Sister Mason, I went with high expectations. Not of what we were going to do, but of what God was going to do. You know, you've seen the altars full before they were full. You've seen the response of the people before they responded. You heard the clamoring of the crowd before it ever happened. You went with high expectation. But what happens is this. Sometimes it all doesn't happen the way that you think it ought to happen. And as a result, what that begins to do is then dumb down. I don't know if that's the right term for you tonight. But dumb down your expectation. And whenever your expectation gets quenched, you got to keep your expectation in the right thing. You got to keep it in God. Whenever your expectation gets quenched, you'll walk into the next service and you might not give it everything you got because you know what? It didn't happen last time. It didn't happen in the last event in my life. But you got to keep your expectation and your focus where it needs to be. It's got to be upon the Lord. Amen. And you will not be disappointed if your expectation is in the Lord. I I can tell you how many times I went to a pulpit and because of a few nights it just didn't happen that my expectation was low. Hey man, I went up there a little milly mouth in my spirit, a little milly mouth in my mind. I raised my hand at half mass and I gave a glory rather than a glory and I wasn't quite exuberant in my praise and worship and you know what? God showed up and he surprised me altogether. Amen. 
God would like to take or the enemy would like to take the apostolic church and somehow dumb down our expectation. Move us, if you will, from our expectation because we've been through too much. We've had too much heartache. It didn't happen for the past so many services. And so I can't expect God to do it now. I can't expect God to move now. He's not changed. He's not altered. He's not resigned. He's still God. And I can still place a hard pass expectation in God and not be moved or wavered from that expectation. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 3 15 that as the people were in expectation all men mused whether in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. In other words, the prophecies, prophecies of Scripture had been spoken of old and those that were acquainted with the Word and with the Scripture knew well that there would come a Messiah. That's what they heard. That's what has been told. That's what had been passed down from generation to generation. And whenever John the Baptist began his ministry among the people, some were stretching their, their heads wondering, could this be the Christ? Some even thought he was the Christ. Why did the people think that John was the Christ? Because they were expecting the Christ. Man, I'm not going to dope them and say, well, bless God, why can't they get it right? John was not the Christ. What's wrong with him? No, 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 no. It was just showing the eagerness of their expectation of a Christ. They used to say, you know, you come with your expectations high and you will not be disappointed. And sometimes that's true. And that's the reason why sometimes someone says, whoa, he was awesome. What, what in the world's going on with them? I didn't see anything great. I just seen John. How did they see Christ? It's all because some of them were expecting. Honey, 400 some odd years of silence uh, between the two testaments. Uh, no angels being spoken. No sign from God is happening. No miracles being performed. And yet through all of that dismal time and dismal picture, there's still a group of people that says, hey, I'm not going to be greatly moved. I'm not going to be moved. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It's going to happen. I pray somebody in this church, uh, raise the level of your expectation for revival. Raise your level of expectation about what God is going to do around here do not be moved from that we lose expectation in God we lose expectation in the things that God has provided for us and to us for a move of God we lose expectation in our prayer We pray and we start to lose expectation that there is any effectiveness in our prayer. The Bible says, it's a commonly quoted scripture, Second Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse 14. Solomon, in speaking to the people that were gathered that day there to temple, he said, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, 
will heal their land. Doubting Thomas, the spirit of him has always been in every generation. I can see some set on the edge. Solomon spoke those words, if my people humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways. And he says, then I'll hear from heaven. I can see him. How can we know that this shall be true? The doubters and the powders. I've heard this before. How can we know that this be true? I'm feeling, I'm feeling that I'm a little bit moved. He'll, he'll hear from heaven. He'll forgive the sin. He'll heal our land. Now let's think about this. Let's analyze this. Hey, you're looking at a very analytical person right here. But whenever it comes to God, lay the pencil down. Lay the paper aside. Put the calculator away. Put your measuring stick aside. And just keep your expectations strong. could they believe what was being spoken was true how could they expect that how could they anticipate that my comfort I believe for their expectation could be well founded on the first few verses of 2nd Chronicles 7 because the Bible says now when Solomon had made an end of praying. You look in 2 Chronicles chapter number 6 and around verse 12, Solomon begins to pray. And he prays all the way through verse 42 of 2 Chronicles 6 and then finally in 7 verse 1, he's finishing up. And so Solomon has been praying for Israel. He's been praying that God would keep his covenant. He's praying that God would hearken to his voice, hearken to his prayer. And the Bible plainly says, when Solomon had made an end of praying, that fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. But fire did not fall. And glory did not usher in the house until Solomon finished his prayer. And so a few verses later, he looks at that ragtag group of Israelites that day and says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. What are you saying? He said, I'm trying to raise your level of expectation. If you'll pray the same fire that just fell and the same glory that just entered the house, if you'll pray in your tent, if you'll pray in your tribe, if you'll pray in the tabernacle, the fire's gonna fall in your house, the fire's gonna fall in your sanctuary, the glory's gonna fill your tribe, the glory. Let the enemy, don't let the adversary of your soul try to 
dumb down your expectation in prayer. You could start pinning. I just started just looking at it just a little bit today. But you can just start going through the book of Acts and start reading the fruits, if you will, of prayer just in the book of Acts. And I stopped somewhere around verse 16 or not verse, but rather chapter 16, didn't go all the way to 27, but just start going through and seeing how many chapters were they found praying in. And Sister Craig, I read that they started praying in chapter 1 in the upper room. I read in chapter 2 that they continued in prayers after the Holy Ghost came. I read in chapter 3 that Peter and John was on their way to the temple at the hour... They're fixing to do some praying. That in chapter 4, Peter and John prayed. Oh, I like this one. <laughs> Go there even if you'd like. In Acts chapter number 4, I like this scripture. Amen today. In Acts chapter number 4, and I don't remember the exact verse, but the Bible says that whenever they prayed, you have to look up the verse for yourself. When Peter and John prayed, the place was shaken. And the Holy Ghost fell upon them that were there. After they prayed. Peter and John, was that a surprise to you? No, because we went to the upper room and we prayed. And the Holy Ghost fell. We continued in prayer in chapter 2. In chapter 3, we was on our way to pray. And we met a man that was in need of prayer. In chapter 4, we prayed. What is it? They kept a level of expectancy in their prayer and the level of expectancy in God. Hi, they were not going to be greatly moved. They were not going to be moved at all concerning what God could do. Chapter 6, they're giving themselves to prayer, praying for commission of seven men before the Holy Ghost take care of some deeds and the others were going to give themselves to the word and prayer in verse 7 Stephen's praying for his stoners in chapter 8 Peter and John prayed for the Samaritans to get the Holy Ghost well, guess what they got the Holy Ghost not disappointed I guarantee you brother Pat whenever they were called to Philip and for Peter and John to come down for this great revival in Samaria. It wasn't like, Peter, yeah, John. You know, we need to lay their hand. We need to lay our hands on them. Yeah. We've done that other times. You know, God's filled people with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. You know, it's like, mm. yeah. This might not work now. Yeah, oh, hallelujah. No, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe they were timid in spirit. I believe they had, they had the same expectation. They walked in. They walked in wider, wider, about ready to take over some territory here, folks. And they said, hey, just step aside. You've been baptized. Yeah, we've been baptized. Boom, in Jesus' name, spoken tongues. Man, they had a high expectation. Is God going to show up in service tonight? Oh, God, I really hope so. I've had a long day, 
Lord, I wonder if I'll feel anything tonight. Oh, God. I need to feel something right now. All I feel is tired, you know. Praise God. I was just reading today, and just some normal scripture reading. And we was talking about all this faith and healing and stuff this morning. Man, I see oftentimes in scripture, because you know, there's nothing broken concerning God's healing ability. There's nothing broken concerning that. As a matter of fact, though, I see a lot of his healing ability, though, matches what people's faith or expectation is. <laughs> you know, and the centurion says, hey, don't even come to my house. Just say the word. How can you do that? He expected it to happen. So, so they go there and they pray for them. Ananias, he prayed for Saul, who's a low-down, no-good scoundrel, because God told him to. And he expected God to do a work, and God did. Peter prayed for a dead person, Dorcas. You know what happened? God raised her up. How in the world? Because he was expecting something to take place, expecting something to happen. The Bible goes on and says in Acts chapter 10 that Peter prayed on the housetop while Cornelius was praying at his house. And there's a meeting as a result of all that. In chapter 11, amen, Peter's recounting the story of praying and seeing a blanket that was descending. In Acts 12, Peter was in prison, but the Bible says prayer was made without ceasing. And it's not long he's walking out of that prison. There's an expectancy, an expectancy, an expectancy. That was so great because when he got to John Mark's house, they didn't even believe it was him. What happened? They had lost some of their expectation of what God could do. They prayed and fasted, commissioned other people like Barnabas and Saul, prayed with fasting for the ordinary elders in every church to be established. In in chapter number 16, the Bible says they went to a riverside where prayed was wont to be made. In other words, they wanted to pray at the riverside. And it was there that the prayer of a Macedonian man came out and said, help us. And they could hear that because a man was praying. It was Paul and Silas that was in a jail cell in stocks and bonds. But at midnight, they sang praises and they prayed. And before the day was over, they were walking out. Why? Because somebody had a level of expectancy that they were not going to be moved from. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, I'm turning there. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, there's some general rules and general regulations. For whenever a person or a people would go out to war, and one of those regulations was this that whenever they came nigh to battle, it was the obligation, responsibility of the priests that he would approach them, he would speak to the people, and he would basically tell them, Hear, O Israel, in verse 3, you approach this day into the battle against your enemies. He said, Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. What was he trying to do? He's trying to support their level of expectation for victory on this day. And he would tell them, The Lord your God is for you he's going to go with you he's going to fight for you and he's going to save you from the enemy now wait i'm going to get down here in a pasture and seat here in just a moment and then the call would be made that if you got a new piece of land and you hadn't yet to see it 
he would tell them, go on and stay home. He said, or if you got a vineyard and you haven't been able to work it yet, he said, go on and stay home. If you had a wife, just a new, a new wife, hope you don't have a, you know, one wife, you have a new wife. And uh, help us, Lord. And you haven't been able yet to attend to her. Stay home. Why is he doing that? He said, We're going to battle with high expectations. And something that can thwart expectations is distractions. I'm just fighting my pastoring chair here for a moment, okay? Something that can somehow thwart expectations is distractions. You ready for this? Praise God, I'm ready for it. Here we go. Church starts. You've been here for 30 minutes already. Church starts. You go to the bathroom. You come back. Prayer requests are just taken up. It's time to pray. The same person goes to the bathroom. Go back to your seat. Altar service is happening. Very important interchange of the service. You go to the same person. Go to the bathroom. I don't understand it really. If you have, if you have bladder problems, I totally understand that. But you know, I'm here at this church every day. And for that matter, I just attended a service over at Brother Clark's on, on Friday. I got there an hour early because I knew the place was going to be packed out. Got there an hour early. Got there an hour early. Song service, praise and worship service went for an hour and a half. The preacher preached for 25 minutes. I fellowshiped after that, and I didn't get up one time and use the restroom. Oh, glory. Sometimes the problems with the level of expectation because it's being thwarted a lot of distractions. And I know we got, we got some VIPs here at the First Apostolic Church. Some of y'all some VIPs. Because you're so important, you got to take text messages during church. Man, when, you, you're just very important. Very important. You know, maybe like all of a sudden, Pastor Boyd, he's an hour ahead of me, you know, getting out early from church. Not gonna Hold on, saints, just one moment. I'll be back with you in just a minute. Yeah, we're having a good service right now. I'm glad you had a great one. Yeah. Now, I'm not ignorant. I know we got people that, that, that work or first responders, so on and so forth. Things happen, they got to go. I totally respect that. But, honey, if it's your girlfriend you just haven't seen in a while, or if it's somebody else just across the aisle being a dupe head, Or if the score pops up, what's going on in the game? Ladies and gentlemen, there is the eternity of souls that lies in the hands and we need to keep our expectations high. You don't need to have the mentality, well, there's another service. It ain't gonna happen for them tonight. Maybe it would if we could limit some distractions. Distractions thwart high expectations.
Listen, I have kids, so I understand. They are. You know what would do us all a favor? Let the parents take care of their kids and everybody else stay focused. Just because they're having a spell, you know what happens sometimes? It's just like, you know, somebody entered your house, you didn't know what was coming. I was like, whoosh, and over there, and they're grinning. And we're out here pulling for the souls of men and women. You're over there having a heyday because Johnny acted up for the fifth time during service. And it was probably my son. He's not that cute. He doesn't need that much attention. He gets enough at home. Just stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. There's backsliders that come in. They need God. Stay focused. Somebody needs healed. We got to keep the expectation high. But we can't when you're always distracted. There's a reason they didn't want that person that had the vineyard to go out to battle. Because you know what? He's out there wielding his sword. And what he's doing? He's thinking about the vineyard. He never has ate from back home. He's thinking about the wife he's never attended to back home. He's thinking about all these things. And distractions are nothing more but a liability for expectation. <laughs> I have to come up with a, part, a punch card system for the ushers in the back. Punch your card whenever you go to the restroom. When you meet a limit, you're done. And there's no super saver coupons with how many punches you get. I've been tempted sometimes to come to church and have service and just put out of order on both bathrooms and go and have church. <laughs> so they didn't want that. Didn't want anybody... His last call, he says, if, if you're faint-hearted. In verse number eight around there, he says, if you feel fearful, fearful, I'll talk here, or faint-hearted, he says, you go on and return home. Why? Look at it in verse eight. Let him go and return into his house if he's fearful or faint-hearted. In other words, if he doesn't think we can get the job done, if he doesn't think victory is going to be ours and this can truly happen, send him home. Why? Because lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Because invariably, your expectation or lack thereof impacts or affects someone else's expectation that's sitting around you. And if we let the spillage come out of our mouth, how we're doubtful about whether this is going to be a good service or not, we've already influenced their expectation about whether... And he says, if we have anybody that's going into the battle and they don't think we can be victorious, he says, you just let them stay home because they're going to influence and infiltrate the minds of the other warriors. And we might come out there with our tail tucked between our legs just because there was a lie that was sown in the minds of the people and they lowered their expectation. And as a result of their lower expectation, they didn't put the same umph and fight in as they would have if they thought they could take them. 
I'm for entering to the house of God and believing that God can do absolutely anything. Believing that the songs are going to be great, the music is going to be on, that the preaching is going to be real, my soul's going to be fed, somebody's going to be ministered to, a life's going to be transformed, a life's going to be changed. Coming in just wondering, my goodness, what is God going to do? And if you start feeling that and spreading that, it's going to get your brother excited, your sister excited, when we all come together and say, my God, I tell you what, God's going to do something great. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to, we just might, he just might save your family tonight. He just might. When you have that type of expectation, it's contagious. Stay with me this evening. Do not be moved. Do not be moved from your expectation. Don't be moved from it. Some of that is a personal, a personal endeavor to do. I was reading just real quickly here this evening before tonight's service. I guess they have a distractions.gov now because of uh, the different accidents that happened because of distractions while driving. And they said basically this. We didn't apply them just spiritually tonight. Brother Mason, you going over here this evening, if you will help. He said there's three things, three primary reasons why there are the accidents that they are today in society with driving. Number one, people have taken their hand off the wheel. Number two, they have taken their eyes off the road. Number three, they've taken their mind off what they're supposed to be doing. But if they just keep their hand on the wheel, their eyes on the road, and their mind engaged in what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, lesson, you can go on, come, brother. Your lesson, he said, I don't want to be a distraction. <laughs> I'm not walking in that trap, but <laughs> lesson, the fatalities. When we come to church, we need to keep our mind focused on what we're doing. We are doing, whenever you come to church, you're doing the greatest thing that you've done all week whenever you step through these doors. Being a tool and an instrument through which God could use you, your worship, your response, your connectivity to the service for somebody else that's in greater need of it than you are when you enter this place. So I'm asking you tonight, don't be moved from your expectation. If we bow our heads all across this place, I'm asking for us to come to these altars and to this... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.